0: Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support.
1: You know, it's only if we have a radical message. It's only if we have a message that is, that juxtaposes the Republicans and the Democrats significantly that we can actually get people to come out and vote for libertarians and affect change in the United States of America. Is your host, your guide,
0: your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Meow, meow, meow. It's about all I got for you this week, guys. I don't, I can't get to a full roar. I've been a little bit under the weather this past week, so I'm going to power through this voiceover, this little introduction for you. But rest assured. The interview you're about to hear in just a moment occurred when I was fully healthy. So things will get better as we go along. But for now, I'm just going to give you some of the basics. And of course, if you're new to the show, this is the only libertarian variety show around. We've got me here every single Monday with the original flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, where I bring you great interviews with libertarian leaders like the one you're going to hear today, as well as fun roundtable discussions in the form of libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor, Always have a fun one with that one every three to four weeks or so. You can look for that. Of course, this is not the only show here at the Lions of Liberty podcast feed. Every single Wednesday, I toss things over to my man, Brian McWilliams, who hits you smack in the face with his weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land. And then John Odie Odermat wraps things up with his hard-hitting, truly riveting look at the broken criminal justice system every single Friday on Felony Friday. You're going to want to be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a darn thing. This is episode number 336 of this program, which means you can find today's show notes featuring links to all sorts of things we'll mention throughout the show over at lionsofliberty.com slash 336. My guest today is a libertarian candidate for the governorship of the state of Illinois. I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Matthew C. Scarrow. Matt, are you ready to roar?
1: Mark, I absolutely am. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, sure thing, Matt. And we'll discuss your run for the governorship of Illinois, a very interesting race, in just a minute. But first, I want to get to learn a little bit more about you. So, why don't you just tell us how you first became interested in the ideas of liberty and how you first got involved in libertarian politics?
1: Sure. I, I wasn't always a libertarian. In fact, for most of my life, I really wasn't very politically active. I grew up in a conservative household. My parents were Republican. And I think a lot of us get our political beliefs from our parents, from the way that we were raised. And so I I always considered myself a conservative, a Republican. And I remember um, thinking that the war in Iraq was wonderful, that we were going to spread freedom, and I had no concept of imperialism. And uh, it wasn't until later, actually about two years ago, that I watched a video, a Ron Paul compilation on YouTube. It was called, This Video Changed My Life. And the title really could not have been more apt because that's exactly what it did. I mean, it changed my life. I started listening to the things that Ron Paul said, and I found that I agreed with so many of them. And uh, that was when I, I came to realize that I, I was a libertarian, that, that I wasn't a Republican. And, you know, and I started out with this and, and, and I was a big guy into like monetary policy. I believed in uh, a gold standard. I wanted to get rid of fiat currency. and And now I'm moving more into like, judicial reform and and, and the social aspect of libertarianism. But um, I'm a a libertarian through and through.
0: What was it specifically about uh, that Ron Paul video and what you heard from him that really inspired you? Was it uh, specific issues, like you mentioned the fiat currency issue, or was it more just his general panache, so to speak, his style and his, uh, I guess, truth spewing, as you might call it?
1: I think it was the truth spewing, because if we're going to be honest, I don't think that Ron Paul is necessarily the best speaker, public speaker, but what he was, he was speaking truth to power. The things he he was saying made sense to me. It was very, very common sense. i had always felt like politicians were, I don't know, preaching to me in a way. And and then here was Ron Paul standing on a stage saying that um, our wars of foreign aggression were hurting more than they were helping and uh, that the inflation was a was tax on the people and it was such a radical message. And at the same time, you know, here he was, he was standing on stage running for president of the United States. And so it, it was the message that, that really stirred my heart and, and made me, made me look more into him, and that's and that's where I found the party. So it was definitely the message.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think in many ways it wasn't even necessarily the words that Ron Paul was saying, although oftentimes his, his words were very powerful as well, but it was really just the, the style and the passion with which he delivered his words. You could tell that he was someone up there that really meant what he was saying, and he brought up issues that you just never heard in the political dialogue. I mean, he brought up the concept of blowback, the idea that our, our foreign interventions might actually have consequences. Uh, The Federal Reserve, uh, scaling back the war on drugs. He even brought up legalizing heroin on a Republican debate stage. I mean, it was truly incredible stuff. And uh, he really stood out from the eight or 10 or whatever other Republican suits on stage. So I think in so many ways, uh, even now, legalizing drugs and questioning our our foreign entanglements is sort of part of the mainstream uh, political uh, dialogue. It's not the popular position, but it's part of the conversation. And in many ways, Ron Paul deserves credit for bringing a lot of these issues to the mainstream and and making them part of that political dialogue that we have now today.
1: I could not agree with you more. And it's something that I try to remind myself when I'm speaking in public, when I'm talking to people about my race, about the governorship of Illinois. I, I remember that Ron Paul stood on a stage and he said that in his first week he was going to abolish the Federal Reserve and in the second week he was going to abolish the IRS. And and he started a revolution. So I try not to water down my message either. And look, you know, I, I'm talking about Ron Paul a lot here, and I, and I'm my own man. I'm my own politician. In fact, I don't even call myself a Ron Paul uh, libertarian any longer. I call myself a Lysander Spooner Frederick Douglass libertarian. But the point is, is that you know, I think that as libertarians. We need to be able to go out there and spread the principles of this party and spread the message of freedom and of liberty. And if we do that unapologetically and not water it down, do not dilute it in the least, that is how we are going to win voters. We cannot go out there and pretend like we are some middle ground or some gray area between the Republicans and the Democrats because it is so easy for people to ignore that. You know, you have to say something that stands out. If if we pretend like we are Republicans who want to have marijuana legalized, the Republicans are going to say, well – you know what? I mean, that's great, but Republicans get elected and you guys don't. So I'm just going to go ahead and vote for Republicans. And similarly, Democrats are going to say, well, I hate Republicans, so I'm not going to vote for you at all. You know, it's only if we have a radical message. It's only if we have a message that, is, that juxtaposes the Republicans and the Democrats significantly that we can actually get people to come out and vote for libertarians and affect change in the United States of America. So that is something that, that I always keep in the back of my mind whenever I am speaking publicly.
0: There does seem to be a bit of a divide uh, when it comes to the libertarian movement about how to best message the ideas of liberty. You have those uh, like yourself, I would probably put myself in this camp as well, that uh, favor the sort of truth-spewing, radical message, uh, dif- definitely differentiating yourselves from the other parties and showing a true alternative, a true radical alternative. While there are others, uh, I know you worked for Gary Johnson, and and his message was kind of more of the well, we're going to borrow terms from both sides. We're going to say we're we're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Uh, so, do I take it that uh, even though I know you're a big we're a big fan of Gary Johnson, that you would sort of take a different tactic in your messaging with your campaign?
1: Yes, I do. Look, I, I'm not here. I don't want to talk down about Gary Johnson. You know, I, I, I that was who he was. Um, but yes, I, I am definitely trying to be a little bit more of a principled, radical libertarian. Well, I think more than that, I think here's what libertarian candidates need to understand and what they should be focusing on. Number one, you have to understand the policies of your office. You have to have realistic solutions. And when it's time to pretend to be the regular old garden variety politician, you better be able to do that because you don't want the media to ask you a question that that you don't have an answer to and let there be a what is Aleppo moment. So that's something that I've done. I've dug into the books and and I've made sure that that I understand um, the office of of governor for the state of Illinois. And then similarly, you also have to be a principled libertarian. And when we have those two elements and we can combine them effectively, that I believe is how we will see change in America. Because I believe if the people of of America see a libertarian candidate as elect, that they will vote for him. And if we get one person elected, I think that it's going to waterfall. And we're going to see a significant amount of people, uh, libertarians, getting elected. Because I think that there's a lot of libertarians in the Republican and the Democrat Party who just won't come over here yet because it's not realistic, it's not pragmatic. So that's how we do it. We have to we have to create the hybrid candidate, the candidate who understands the policies, understands the politics, and at the same time is principled and speaks truth to power.
0: When people first get inspired by the ideas of liberty and really start to get that fever, where they just got to talk about it, got to take action, they can take several different paths. I mean, you know, some people might just uh, be more active socially, talking about politics, speaking to their friends and their family. Other people take more direct action. Uh, me and myself and my my friends, we got together and started this podcast here. So. What inspired you to take the political route and pursue things that way?
1: Well, I started to go to the chapter meetings in the Chicagoland area. I live in Chicago. And, you know, I had watched that video, and a friend of mine was a libertarian. And we said, hey, you know, let's go check this thing out. And I loved what these people had to say. And and I I found that, uh, look, unfortunately, what I found was that I'm part of a philosophical social club. And I said to myself, this is great, but that's not what I'm here for. I am here to take power away from the state, and I am here to change the way that politics are ran in, in Chicago, in Illinois, and in America. So I, I said that I got to get involved. I have to do something. So the Libertarian Party of, of Illinois began giving me opportunities uh, to speak on their behalf. So I would go out and I'd speak to conservatives and explain that how I thought that Gary Johnson was a more pragmatic vote for the conservative choice. And, um, you know, I, I found that that was something that was terrifying to me public speaking. And it, it was, to me, it was, you know, like thrill seeking, like jumping out of a plane, but I loved it. And then, you know, I got better at it and I used to be terrified. And 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 now I go up there and I'm confident and, and I love what I'm doing. But I realized that, that Illinois in specific was in bad shape. Uh, Illinois is a cesspool of fraud, waste, and abuse. Um, we have parasitic politicians who have been sitting in office for 30 years, uh, who are absolutely destroying our state, and I'm not trying to be negative, but um, you know, I, I came in here and I said, "Look, I, I don't see anyone else who can fix it. I'm the only guy." So. I, I said, "All right, I'm going to run. I'm going to run, and I'm going to try and fix the state of Illinois." And so now I'm, I'm running a campaign of hope, of optimism, of change. And I hope that people can can view me as a realistic electable candidate. And and together, you know, we we can do this, and, and we can we can advocate for freedom and liberty in the state of Illinois. So
0: Matt, this is your first run for office uh, as a libertarian or otherwise. So why did you decide to go for that top office in your state, the governorship of Illinois, as opposed to you now starting something with something more locally, or maybe running for mayor of Chicago? Why did you go right? for the big one?
1: Well, initially I had considered running for the fourth congressional district against a guy named Luis Gutierrez, which, you know, a lot of people actually might know who Luis Gutierrez is. Uh, I, I, by the way, live in probably the most gerrymandered congressional district in America. It's called the earmuff district, but I won't go off on, on that little tangent. But anyway, um, I, you know, I started to look at Luis Gutierrez and I found that he was one of the most embedded Democratic candidates in the most gerrymandered district. And it was just not realistic that I could I could win that race. And the Libertarian Party at the time did not have any candidates running for governor. And, you know, um look, I was still a little green then, you know, and and I, I said, hey, you know, you know, let's do this thing. Let's uh let's run it. I just said I said to myself though, and, and to everyone I was around, I said, just promise me that this isn't a paper candidacy. I said, promise me that we're gonna go and run this thing and we're gonna actually try and win. Cause you know, I'm I'm not here to do anything less than that, you know. Um, but I do have multiple victory goals in mind. Um, but but that that was that was what got me to look at at the governor's race in the state of Illinois. And now it turns out it's going to be the largest governor's race in American history.
0: When you say the largest governor's race in American history, well, what do you mean by that? Largest in what sense?
1: We have two billionaires. Uh, Bruce Rauner, the incumbent, is a billionaire. And the the guy who's likely going to be the challenger from the Democratic Party, his name is J.B. Pritzker. He is a billionaire. In fact, I think he's in the top 10 richest families in America. Uh, he could buy and sell Donald Trump three times over. Uh, so we have two absolute titans going to war in this race and
0: battle of the Titans.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting because the truth is, is I I know in my heart that if they put me on a debate stage against the two of them, I will absolutely slaughter them verbally that they cannot hang with me. And, uh, that that's why I'm so excited because I know that by nominating me, you are putting an X factor out there. And, um, yeah, I mean, this, this election, it's going to be massive, just massive.
0: So what is your strategy then? Because as you well know, Matt, the system is incredibly biased against third parties. I mean, even just psychologically, most people only think about the who, the, who is the Republican candidate, who is the Democrat candidate. Okay, I'll look at them. And I, you know, I've interviewed many libertarian candidates over the years, and it's very rare for them to even be invited to a debate or even mentioned in an article about their, their local race. So what's your strategy to get that attention and break through this systemic bias Against third parties, yeah. Well, I can't beat them on
1: ad ad buys. I can't beat them in dollars and in cents. The way that I can beat them is in philosophy. And when people hear my message, I believe that it's going to resonate with them. I don't think anyone hears a message of freedom and of and of liberty anymore. And I have the most practical solutions. You know, uh, especially in the Republican and the Democrat Party, these two candidates, you cannot hammer them down on a single policy. And I am continuously laying out detailed policies about the way that I. I'm going to change Illinois, so I, you know. And I think that there's also uh, of, of a big feeling of just disgust with the two parties, especially here in Illinois. We, our general assembly is so divided. The Republicans and the Democrats cannot get along on anything. We we went over two years without a budget in the state of Illinois because it's just bickering. And w- w- look, when you have uh, a family and and they can't get along and they and they just bicker, what do they do? They they go and they see. They go and they see a counselor, right? They see a third party, and that's exactly what I hope to present is is, is to have an, an intermediary here. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm gonna I'm gonna bend on my principles, but. Um, I think that I'm going to provide just a different option than anyone else has seen. And as far as getting media, I've been really lucky. Not lucky, actually. I've been working my butt off to do it. But, you know, I just got picked up by two newspapers this last week. I got some more media dropping and uh, I'm getting some big endorsements. And I'm trying to make a big splash here in the Libertarian Party as well, because I know that if I can get uh, nationwide support from Libertarians believing in me that together we can do this.
0: Sure. And I think that's one thing that's very important for any libertarian candidate who's looking to really have an impact is to draw on the national liberty movement and the libertarian movement and bring in support from all across the country. That's one reason we're here doing this podcast today. I I reach an audience all across the country, all across the world. So there's people all over the place that might want to help somebody like you who's trying to wage a truth spewing, radically libertarian campaign in a high profile area like Illinois uh, against these two billionaires who uh, quite obviously probably do not really serve the interests of their constituency. Now, uh, the first step of course, to getting that attention though, uh, in your race specifically is to get into that debate. Now that's probably going to be one of your biggest hurdles, one of your biggest roadblocks. Do you have a plan of how you can actually find yourself on that debate stage with those two billionaires?
1: Yes, absolutely. I've already begun cultivating relationships with the people that host the debate. So I'm already I already have inroads there. And and I'm explaining that to them that, you know, look, this is this is a contested race and we are going to be on the ballot. We were on the ballot the last election cycle. And you can bet your bottom dollar that we're going to be on the ballot again. The people of the state of Illinois deserve to have all the candidates who are going to be on the ballot present in the debates. You know, and I'm also part of the Our America initiative, and the Our America initiative has been pushing for equal debate access. So I think that both of those things are going to help us. Uh, so right now, my strategy is to to win them over with kindness, right? And that's always my my number one strategy is to to explain to people why we deserve to be there and and how we have a hope of message a message of hope and of change. Now, if that doesn't work, I will go in the media and I'll probably just call my opponents cowards and. and it's called, no, it's called like it is. I'll just say, hey, look, these two are terrified of me and they don't, they don't want, they don't want to have to debate me because they understand that, that I pose a very, very serious threat to them. And if that's what, that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Uh, and, you know, it, and I'm even hesitant to talk about this, but my third plan, and if, if all else doesn't fail. I'll put on a damn janitor's outfit and and I'll go in there the day before and and, and I'll get on that stage one way or another. I don't care. You know, I will be on that stage, though.
0: Well, that might actually be the best strategy for you, you know. I mean, it will certainly garner you some headlines. Local libertarian uh, janitor takes debate stage during uh, governor's debate.
1: Whatever it takes. Hey, guys, you might remember that I recently said that this is the libertarian moment and that we need more people to stand up and run for office. Now, if you're tired of watching Liberty erode and you plan to stand up and run for office, I want you to call on a team that has over 20 years experience. Global Alliance Communications. They specialize in data analytics, identifying and mobilizing voters. They offer live voter outreach, data acquisition, compliance, recorded messages, text messaging with full social media touchpoints, points and teletown halls. Campaigns of all types and sizes are encouraged to reach out, and you can find out more by visiting their website at www.gacigroup.com or email info at gacigroup.com.
0: Now, Matt, you mentioned that you really do feel you have a shot to uh, pick up some traction in this race, really garner the attention of uh, both the media and the voters. And obviously, that's where it's going to have to start with the voters, by talking to people, by hitting the pavement and really having conversations, one-on-one conversations with people in in the uh, the state of Illinois, you know, with with that potential voter base. So uh, what's your approach there? Because I know, I mean, look, I'm out here in Los Angeles, uh, Commie, California, as many like to uh, I refer to it as. And uh, it can often be difficult to even have certain conversations, to even broach certain subjects because of the just tied in emotional support for one side that that many people hold. Now, you're going to run into that whether you're talking to Democrats or Republicans. So what is your strategy when you run into people um, in your constituency, your potential constituency, who just, you know, right from the get go are not going to hold the same views as you do? Well, first off, uh, you're definitely right, Mark. I lived in L.A. for
1: about three years, and and I live in Chicago here. And I sometimes refer to Chicago, my home, as a socialistic utopia. So I, I would not disagree with you there. Um, but, you know, whenever I'm talking to people, you know, in the general public, number one, I, I try to usually gauge whether they consider themselves, you know, Republican or Democrat. Sometimes people consider themselves independent. And that can mean, you know, a wide range of things, but usually people fall into buttering their bread on one side or the other. So, you know, whenever I've ascertained that, then I try to kind of gauge my conversation and tailor it towards that. So, you know, although I've I've talked about this many times before, that libertarianism is not this gray area, it's not this middle ground, we do have things in common with both sides of the fence. So, for instance, if I'm speaking to a conservative, I'm going to talk to him about how the taxation levels here in Illinois are, are crippling. It's the number one reason that people are leaving the state of Illinois, that Illinois has the highest total tax burden, and that we have quite literally the highest property taxes. Usually people agree with me. They nod their head. And you know, depending on the the audience, sometimes I'll say to them, Hey, would you like, would you like, would you like your taxes lowered? <laughs> and they usually nod. And I say, Yeah, okay. Well, you vote for me and your taxes go down. Uh, so similarly, on the left, if if I if I feel that someone is a Democrat, I'll I'll talk to them about, you know, civil liberties and about how it's not right that people are being incarcerated for marijuana. And, you know, usually if I can get them to agree to marijuana, I can I can explain the the logical consistency of all drugs about how, you know, it, it's not right to incarcerate anyone who's never hurt anyone. But that, you know, I focus sometimes more on an emotional argument when i'm talking to people from the left. now here's the funny thing is that i used to believe that libertarians should only try to pull from the right. that our our only voting base that we could that we could gain from would be from republicans because we had so much in common with them. but the truth is is that i think a lot of republicans already kind of consider themselves small l libertarians and if we get a libertarian elected and they actually see the libertarian party as feasible, they'll they'll jump ship and they'll come on over already. What, what I would like to see is libertarians go after the left. I think that if we, if we talk about how we are the only party uh, that for the past 40 years has championed um, equality, rights and marriage and um, civil liberties and, and getting rid of all these draconian drug laws, I think that we pull a lot of people over from the left. And if we did that, we would be taking massive, massive power away from the one party system.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like your real strategy when communicating with people that you know, I mean, obviously, most people don't hold a full libertarian view or else we wouldn't have to, to, to be out here to doing this stuff. Uh, but you're, you're kind of trying to find where they're already coming from, find the issues that you think are already important to them, and then show to show them how yourself and libertarian ideas really do provide the things they already want, as opposed to necessarily trying to change their whole worldview overnight. Now, obviously, uh, if you can get them interested a little bit and start to talk to them more. Obviously, we'd hope to change everybody's entire worldview. But in the scope of what you're doing right now, I think you're you're probably gonna have a lot more success finding those niche issues and showing them, like, well, hey, the libertarians, we're the ones that have these answers. We're the ones that are gonna do what you already want to see done.
1: Yes. And it's a lot easier in my race than it was last year when I was helping out with the Gary Johnson campaign. People um, you know, had had very, very strong feelings one way or another in that campaign. But in in Illinois, though, just people are so disgusted with both parties that you know they're they're ready to consider a third option. They're ready to consider almost anything else at this point. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a little bit easier in, in that regard.
0: Do you get any pushback, any major pushback when you're out there talking to people about any specific issues? Are there certain areas where people just say, well, I mean, I like some of what you said here. Yeah, lowering taxes sounds great, but you guys are crazy with this drug stuff or crazy with this gun stuff. Well, what kind of stuff are you hearing out there?
1: You know, I mean, it comes from all different areas. Sometimes I get the the stupid argument, oh, you hate roads or who's going to build the roads? And I often say, hey, look, you know, roads are primarily funded by gasoline taxes. I try not to say all the quintessential Libertarian uh, slogans like "Hey man, taxation is theft," or you know, and I never, I never ever call myself an anarchist or a minarchist. I try not, I try to stay away from that type of verbiage, and there's a reason for it. It's because, look, okay, in libertarian circles, if you're going to a libertarian chapter meetup, that's great. Have the conversation about what's better, libertarianism, minarchism, or classical liberalism. That's fine. But if you go out in into the street and you say, "Hey man, I'm an anarchist," they think that you want to put a bomb in a federal building. That's what they think. So, you know, I, I try to be very careful about that. And, uh, I, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent here.
0: Uh, half this show is about going on tangents and I'm no stranger to them myself. So you're, you're in the right place, Matt.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, well, a lot of times what I do is I try to point out to people how on a macro scale, Republicans and Democrats have done the exact same thing for almost a century. They've raised taxes. They've inflated the currency. They've deprived people of their civil liberties. And that we are the party that is fiscally responsible, socially tolerant. We are the party that most closely follows what our founding fathers fought and died for, and and we are directly opposite of of, of this of this one party system. And, and that people should give us a chance. And that's that's a message that people can get behind. I think that's a message that people really like. Um, But yeah, it's been a lot easier here in the local race than it was you know, doing Gary Johnson, um, that campaign.
0: Yeah, I'm sure just the the idea that it became so intense with the the two sides of things. Everyone had to look at either Trump or Hillary, and most people were disgusted by one or the other or both. But I think the fear of the other in that case kept a lot of people from looking at third parties. Even though the Libertarian Party did have a a historic vote record, uh, I I think there was a lot of fear of, I don't want my vote to go to waste because this monster X or monster Y will, will get in charge, whereas maybe that's not the case in your race when you just have two uh, generic billionaires, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one thing that, you know, you just pointed out, it's always that lesser of two evil arguments. And I, and I try to point this one out often that if you vote for the lesser of two evils, you are still voting for evil. And if we always continue to do the same thing and expect different results, Einstein said that's the definition of insanity.
0: Well, there you go now Matt you did say that despite the odds despite everything stacked against you you are in this to win this thing so I want to play a little uh, sort of a do a little envisioning of the possible future here so I want you to think about what happens if you wake up I don't know the exact date of the election so I'm not going to say on what date of the morning but uh, if you wake up the morning after election day in Chicago uh, not just Chicago but in, in Illinois and uh, the, the news media is forced to finally report that yes Matt was not only a candidate, he won the election. He is the new governor. What are the first actions you would take as governor within the scope of that role uh, to sort of move things in a more libertarian direction for Illinois?
1: I would start rolling and warming up my wrist. I would grab a ballpoint pen and I would start pardoning people day and night, probably for a week of victimless crimes. I would start getting people out of our for-profit prison systems a lot of people don't know that we pay on average $38,000 per year. Our our prisons are packed, 84%, our first-time victimless crime offenses. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, so that's something that I would do on day one as I begin pardoning people. Uh, then I would begin championing, you know, legislation that I want to see change, lowering taxes, capping property taxes, reforming the pension system, reforming Medicaid. And uh, then I'd probably be on a microphone talking about concepts like jury nullification of law or jury independence. So that's that's how I envision you know, my first 30 days as governor.
0: Well, I I think everything you just said there is the kind of thing that people that listen to this program uh, can absolutely get behind. Because because even outside of the scope of of your powers, what they would be as governor or any office, one great thing about being in that position, whether it's just being on the campaign trail or being an actual elected official, is that bully pulpit. Now you have a a platform where you can talk about all the issues that are important to you, whether it's jury jury nullification or what have you, and, and really advance that conversation much more so uh than you would be able to otherwise so uh and and of course i know uh people that listen to our felony friday show are probably uh cheering and clapping when you talk about pardoning people for victimless crimes to me that is the easiest uh, and most basic no-brainer action that any libertarian, anyone in the position to do so uh, should be doing immediately as, as soon as they got into power. So uh, I think uh, a lot of people listening out here are going to be a big fan of the, the ideas that you have, not only your ideas about uh, libertarian beliefs overall, but uh, a lot of the things that you would like to see done as governor of Illinois. Mark,
1: can I just uh, give one quick spiel here on jury nullification?
0: You sure can. Absolutely, man.
1: Let let me just point out to everyone, the jury nullification is the one way that we, the people, can affect change from government without legislation. It is so extraordinarily powerful. And, you know, a lot of people have, you know, different thoughts on it and everything like this. But the one thing that I want you to remember is that if you are called for jury duty, accept it if you can. I mean, get in there. You want to get seated on the jury. The the guy in the dress seated six seated six feet above you the the judge it, and the prosecutor are going to go through a process voidire, dire right and uh, this is a, an entirely unconstitutional process but I don't want any of you to say that to them your job is to act like an unthinking conformist they're going to ask you some questions like hey do you have any problems putting people in in jail no matter you know what the charges. I don't want you guys to to say, you know, F you judge or, or, you know, or, or sound too, too much of a conformist either. You want to sound just as much of a conformist as all the other people around you, because your job is to get seated on that jury. And then, and only then will you have the opportunity to nullify law. So it's not a time for virtue signaling. It's not a time to act like a real rebel or, or to tell people to stick it or that you oppose victimless crime law. It is time for you to act like a sheep and to get seated on a jury. So, so important. Thank you for giving me that.
0: Yeah, sure thing. Uh, probably one of the only times a libertarian will tell someone to act like a sheep. But, uh, you know, it's true. I mean, I, I went I got called for jury duty a couple years ago and I maybe made the mistake. I don't know, uh, depending on how you look at it, of answering the questions. Honestly, I was asked certain questions about how I would take the testimony of a police officer, uh, how I, and how I would judge certain things. And I, I basically was just. I didn't give the full libertarian spiel, but I I put out there my you know the distrust I m- I may have for a police officer's testimony in certain cases because the, the officer is obviously invested in seeing the arrest uh, through to completion. So uh, I was, of course, as you can imagine, summarily dismissed from the jury. Uh, wasn't really my intention per se. I just told the truth. And uh, and like you said, nobody's advocating lying here, but maybe you don't need to give the entire thought process that's going on um, bef- beforehand, because really if you do get on a jury and someone with our beliefs really does become then in a position to influence that jury and try to at least see some justice. Now, maybe it's an easy case and the guy stole a TV and it's no big deal, but maybe it's something more complicated like a drug case or something like that and something that the libertarian viewpoint could really provide some value to and maybe even help someone t- t- you know, stay out out of uh, out of jail. Of course. Oh, absolutely. Hey, and just to give everyone a little bit of a background on this, I, you
1: know, I don't know how much you guys have talked about jury nullification, but that process, voire or vardier, I'm saying it wrong. Uh but anyway, that that really took root in America in 1850, they passed the Fugitive Slave Act. And in the north, judges and prosecutors were getting frustrated because juries kept acquitting slaves uh, who were arrested under the Fugitive Slave Act because they didn't want these slaves to be sent back down to the South to be executed as a show or to be put back into bondage. So they they kept voting not guilty, right? They kept nullifying law. So the judges and the prosecutors instituted the process of voir dire where they would ask these, these potential jurors. And, and that really is – Look, I mean, what is the one thing that makes Western civilization? It's equality under the law. And uh, look, we need to have a judicial system. And and if we do not have the, – if the jury does not have the ability to to – their full rights to vote not guilty on laws that they find immoral, then the republic is lost. And this is how we take it back.
0: Alright Matthew, well like I said I'm really uh, I'm glad you reached out to me, I've had a lot of people reaching out to me lately about their campaigns and I'm going to do my best to get these voices out there because there are many platforms by which to advance the ideas of liberty and a lot of libertarians eschew the idea of being involved in politics but if nothing else it cannot be denied that it is a platform just look at Ron Paul, just look at his influence, if we can have a bunch of people like that out there uh, talking about these issues in whatever arena they are able to get a foothold and, and politics politics is certainly one of those. That is absolutely a positive thing. So Matthew, I wish you the best luck with your campaign. Before I let you go, Matt, why don't you just detail quickly how people can learn more about your campaign, how they can get involved and help you out. And also, I know you do. I know you do some YouTube videos and that sort of thing. So feel free to let people know where they can find all of your work.
1: Yeah, definitely check me out on YouTube. Uh, it's just my name, Matthew, M A T T H E W, middle initial C, last name Scarro, SCARO, S C A R O. You can also check out my website, which is my initials, M C S, the number four I L dot com. M C S, the number four I L dot com. I'm also on Facebook. You guys can find me on pretty much all the social media platforms. I'm difficult to avoid. And, uh, you know, guys, look, I'm going to be out here championing Liberty. I'm not going anywhere. We are going to take the Republic back one state at a time. So Mark, thank you so much for the opportunity and thank you everyone for listening.
0: Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. I want to wish you the best of luck with the campaign. Keep up the great work and keep on roaring.
1: Thank you, my friend. Thank you.
0: Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matthew C. Scarrow as much as I did. Matt reached out to me. He was really excited about talking about his campaign for the governorship of Illinois, and I was Really happy to get to know him better. And I got to say, Matthew is my kind of guy. He's my kind of libertarian who likes to just spew that truth, who likes to spit fire, not kind of hedge around the edges, not kind of weasel some uh, you know different words in there that people are familiar with, some comfort words, you might say, from the Democrat side, comfort words from the Republican side. That's a strategy. I get that strategy. It's not the one I'm really a fan of, so I was really pleased to uh, to hear from Matthew Scario and everything he was doing out there in Illinois. I think he's definitely someone worthy of looking into a bit further. So I hope you folks do that. Now, like I said, not feeling that great right now. I'm gonna try to keep things pretty short, but I do want to remind you guys about our efforts to make it to Roger Paxson's Pork Fest this year. Roger, of course, is a fellow member of the League of Liberty podcast, so all, along with we are Libertarians and the Johnny Rocket Launch Bad. We have formed a little super group, so to speak, but Roger is actually in charge of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is put on every single year in the state of New Hampshire. It's a, about a five or six day camping fest, and there's all sorts of big events there. There's some stuff I can't even tell you about that I have some insider information on that I gotta, I gotta hold close. But let me tell you, there's some exciting plans for Porkfest, but I do know that Backwards and Eric July are absolutely confirmed for Porkfest, so that's some exciting stuff, and we are planning to do a live Libertarian in living rooms drinking liquor style show there. Hopefully we'll have some of our fans there with us for a sort of little in-studio audience. We're planning to do a League of Liberty live podcast if we can get that whole crew there. A lot of big plans, but we need you guys to help make it happen, and we are so, so, so close to meeting our $1,000 goal. $1,000 per month in the Lions of Liberty Pride. We're just under, just over, I should say, just over $100 away from meeting that goal. For just as little as 5 bucks a month, you get loads of exclusive audio content. That's all you got to toss in. You just got to give up one beer, one latte a month, and you can help us reach this goal of heading to Porkfest to bring you some great content on site, on the ground from all sorts of different libertarians that are going to be there. We're super excited about this opportunity. So please give us a chance to help make this happen. Of course, there are various levels you can join at. You can join for as high as $100 a month, believe it or not. Which may sound crazy, but the ad you heard on today's show is actually an ad for Jason Carrier's company, and uh, Jason is actually our, our first one hundred dollar a member a month, and for that you get ads on this program. And let me tell you, based on the number of listeners we have, this is an insane bargain. If you have any kind of product that is a uh, you know catered to a liberty or libertarian or even a political audience, you really can't beat the deal that we have uh, for being a hundred dollar a month member of the Pride. We have that limited to only two slots because we only have you know so many advertising slots we can give away, but there is one more open. So that $100 member, if you're out there, if you're the one, you can almost get us to Pork Fest by yourself right now. Please head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support to find out how you can join the Lions of Liberty Pride. We have various other levels too. For $25 a month, you get to hop on to our monthly conference call. We actually have a couple of them now that we have so many $25 members where you get to kind of shoot the shit with myself. Brian and Odie, talk about the show, give us direct input into the content that we end up putting out for you. And of course, our brand new $15 a month level, we also give you access to our Daily news links that Howie Snowden, the intelligence gatherer himself, puts together every single day for us. That's where we get all of our news, and you guys can get exclusive access to that email as well by joining at $15 or higher. And then for $10 a month, you get a free t-shirt and a free beer koozie just for joining. And then for 5 bucks a month, you just get the exclusive bonus audio. None of the other extra perks, but you do get all of the great audio content we put out. So there's really something for everybody, no matter what you can afford, to help us out. Send us to Porkfest have us producing more great content from the ground of this and other great libertarian events going forward. So we do encourage you to check that out. I also want to encourage you to do something that costs you no money at all if you're on Facebook, and that is to come join our our group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. I got to say, this is one of the best libertarian groups on the internet as far as I'm concerned. We have great conversations over there. No one is chastised. No one is smeared. We joke around. We have a good time. We have some really respectful conversations about the ideas of liberty. So I encourage you to just type Lions of Liberty Forum in your little search bar on Facebook. Tell us how you found the show and we'll get you right in there to join the conversation. Guys, don't forget to tune in Like I said, it's not just me. The rest of the week, we have so much more great content coming at you with Brian McWilliams this Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land. And of course, John Odeodermatt wraps this thing up with his riveting look at the broken criminal justice system this coming Friday on Felony Friday. Until next time, folks. Live
1: long
0: and live free. this is chris spangle and i am the host of we are libertarians which you can find in itunes google play or at we are we are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective so please check us out at we are libertarians.com hey everyone the johnny rocket Launchpad is liberty each week we strive to bring
1: you the best guests in talk radio the Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at JohnnyRocketLaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. <laughs>